0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller, fresh off of our triumphant conquest of C-SPAN. I look. I don't like to overpromise. And Are the ratings in? Have, have the Nielsen ratings come in yet on that? I haven't seen them, but I just think objectively that was the best 45 minutes in the history of the network.
1: No. Do you disagree? Uh, Sarah is more of a C-SPAN watcher and consumer than I am. So I don't know. Sarah, what do you think?
2: I'm not a consumer, but I, as much as I am, I go on C-SPAN a fair amount and I let the people yell at me. Uh, the best thing about this C-SPAN, well, there are multiple things I like, but one of them was obviously many of our people who listened to this show called Thank in. Thank you, guys. Uh, which was very nice because it had people being like, I'm a big Bulwark fan, not just people being like, you are f- little communist, you know, bastards. We got a few of those, but they were late in the show. We got pumped up first by our people. I do think whoever the guy is who called in and asked JVL to do the cleanest voice. Dave. Yeah. Dave. Show yourself to me, sir. Show we're gonna yourself. We're going to comp
0: you for life.
1: <laughs> I, I got to tell you, my big regret, and I just, I was so thrown off by the woman from Atlanta who called in as a, as a huge Donald Trump supporter. I thought it was a bit for a minute. And so since Sarah, <laughs> Sarah speaks to people more often than me, she knew it wasn't a bit, but I thought it was a bit. And so, you know, she's going on, and then they then he comes straight to me. I was figuring JVL was gonna jump in, and, and the host jumps right to me. And so I wasn't, I feel like I was like an eight out of ten on that. I'm grading myself like a B minus because I looked back at it and I was like, I'm a little hungover. She threw a meatball right down the plate for me about the about the wall. You know, in Florida, and how she's concerned about people coming across Florida because we haven't built the wall, and that is not technically accurate, I guess, unless we're talking about a sea wall. So I, did, I did feel like I, I kind of let the people down a little bit on that one, but otherwise, I thought we really nailed it. I thought you guys were, you guys were on point.
0: Well, my, my favorite part was Dave calling in asking me to do Cletus, and then one caller later, we actually got Cletus. <laughs> <laughs> Which was amazing. Oh, that was good. And that gentleman was uh, every bit as erudite and intellectually serious <laughs> as I have come to expect from people of mm. his ilk.
2: Uh, okay, For people who don't know, though, uh, the magic of television, the one thing about it that was annoying is unlike right now, we can all see each other's faces. It's so, like we yes. know how we're reacting to things. And so, like, I could sort of get it from your voices because I used to listening. I knew when JVL was JVLing, but it was still hard not to see your faces and like be totally just sit there on camera for an hour without feedback.
0: No, I agree. It's more fun when we can see each other and pick up on our cues and do hand motions. And I, I do have to say, there were there was one caller that I wanted to do a hand motion to, but then I figured. Sarah would, would not enjoy that. I wouldn't no. have been
2: able to see it, but you did say schlong, so I felt like you got plenty in.
0: You did get to say
1: schlong. <laughs> um, and that was nice. On, at we 45, were amazing. At, at 8.45 <laughs> in the morning, that's what people are looking for. Just We were you know.
0: amazing. I take it we'll never be asked back. I think
2: we think the host listens to this show. He seems I just assume to, we are
0: never being asked back on that I show. I think I have to imagine that they are already in secret
1: negotiations with Sarah's business manager about a permanent slot. I don't know what kind of money these bands got to throw around, but uh, <laughs> it seems to me like that was some good, I would take it good to be content blessed. from that.
2: When he deadpanned t- what is the Cletus voice, JDL?" <laughs> I was like, this guy listens to the this show and know. knows and just. Then when, and then when Peter goes,
0: Sarah. Why does Cletus upset you? <laughs> that was yeah. just that was where I was desperate to have the reaction shot on Sarah. I know. Like and not being able to see her face in that moment was hurtful to me. Mm. Uh, okay. Big news. We're taping mm. on Wednesday morning, and we're gonna get a Biden impeachment. Mm. It's gonna be tremendous. Mm. Uh he's being impeached because. TBD. TBD.
2: He, can I ask a tech, is is he being impeached impeached or is he being impeached, no. in, inquiry, inquiry impeached? It's in a little impeachment
1: light. I can, I can feel this question, yeah. Um, <laughs> they were already investigating Joe Biden with the possibility sure. of impeachment. And now they've upgraded that from
0: investigation to inquiry. Ah. It's like uh, the storm is a tropical depression <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it becomes a tropical storm and then maybe it gets upgraded to a cat 1
1: yeah it's the triple eyes yeah. you know it's just a slow uh, methodical destination I, Walls I
0: are closing in on crime family joe biden it didn't to seem Don. to work
1: for kevin um uh matt gates called it a baby step I, you hate to agree with matt gates you you hate to say matt gates has a point but matt gates kind of has a point because you do not all, under any circumstances <laughs> Gotta hand, hand it, it to, it to Mexico. 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 <laughs> Well, I just, I, I do kind of because, because nothing <laughs> changed. I mean, uh, Kevin McCarthy gave this very solemn speech, like he was, you know, doing FDR by the radio with a fireside chat and and making an announcement to the country about how seriously he's taking this. And then the outcome of it was the oversight committee, which is already investigating Joe Biden will continue to investigate Joe Biden, but with a special eye towards impeachment. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: um, so it was kind of a baby step, I think, as Matt put it out. The other interesting thing, I think, from a technical matter that that is the big tell of this whole thing is that it was just 11 days prior to this solemn press conference that Kevin McCarthy, in, in, a, in a gaggle, was saying to reporters that he was not going to do an impeachment inquiry without a full vote of the house because this is a big step not a baby step it was a big mm. step to move to impeachment inquiry just about a week and a half after that it turns out he didn't he didn't feel like he needed a full vote of the house to do this uh, and that kevin could just decree it so from on high, because you know his boss Donald Trump was pressuring him to do it from Mar-a-Lago, per reporting, and because he doesn't even have close to the votes. And when you're all, you're always trying to figure out what how big is the closet normie caucus in, in the Republican side. The whip count was that there were about thirty that were wavering on whether that they would vote for it. To some percentage of the thirty, so were hard no. Only
0: thirty Republicans in the House. That are in the closet, wavering on the question <laughs> yeah. of whether or not to impeach Joe Biden for nothing
1: some percentage of the thirty were a no and then another percentage they were gonna have to whip and they only had five they only have five you know to give unless they're gonna I don't know pick up a Democrat because who knows maybe one of the Democrats one day will be like, I think Joe Biden should be impeached for nothing um <laughs> the uh so anyway, that's uh, that's kind of where you know the state of play for
0: Mike Kevin I should say here before I throw it to you, Sarah. When we say Joe Biden is being impeached for nothing, this is not like declaring that Biden's phone call was perfect. We mean that literally there are no charges or allegations as Nancy yeah. Mace said on some TV show, she doesn't know what they would impeach Joe Biden for. That's Yet. what the investigation is for.
2: Well, I don't know if you read Rich Lowry's column oh, recently, I, you I did know,
0: it. somehow I missed it.
2: <laughs> we already know Joe Biden is corrupt. Uh, we oh. already know Joe Biden is, is guilty. You know, here's the thing. I do think- Did
0: Rich write that
1: from Bedminster when he yeah. went to have lunch with Trump? <laughs> was he just invited to the Trump lunch, do you think? Or was I that, know. I don't know. I
2: skimmed it. I skimmed it. I, I only read part of it. You know, here's the thing. I do think that Joe Biden should not have done this bit with his son where he hopped on phone calls that Hunter was having with clients. I think that that is not good. And I think, yeah, like in a different world on Earth, too, where things were normal and we'd had a normal Republican president uh, that I was, you know, somewhat supportive of, I would be like saying that Joe Biden should not have been throwing his weight around as vice president and jump hey, you know, help his son's business dealings, especially when they all turned out to be kind of shady.
1: Though I will say technically, I think the situation was more like Hunter would be with his business people, he'd call dad and he'd be like, yeah. Hey dad, what's happening? How's the yeah, weather? What do you th- right. th- How'd the Eagles do last night? And so, and so then if you're Joe Biden, it's like, okay, I, I agree. You know, he probably was playing a little bit too fast and loose, but it's like, what do you, do you need a you need an intermediary to accept your phone calls with your son to be like, Hunter, son, Hunter, young man, are you sober right now? Are you with a foreign national? Like, yep. okay, you're not. Now you can talk to your dad. I guess you – you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the situation.
2: I think that's right. And that's why I would say on the scale of badness that we live by, like, you should be aware that you're the vice president and that your kid is on these boards and that actually you need to treat this with some discretion also, like impeachable offense. I think that that's more than a stretch. But my point is is that the Republicans have kind of moved into this like, well, Biden's already guilty, and you know, he's he's a, and the Biden crime family. But the main thing I want to say is that did you hear Matt Gates's speech to well that he was giving it wasn't the baby step thing was whatever. He told Kevin McCarthy that he needed to get in compliance. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I saw that
2: line. And uh, this is why I got handed to Matt Gates.
1: honestly. I mean, he just treated him like a beaten puppy.
2: And he had him. Yeah. He has him. Like Pulling Kevin is, Kevin is marching to Matt Gates's, and Matt Gates and Donald Trump are chatting it up, figuring out how to, you know, pull the strings on Kevin to make him do this impeachment. But I – this is – did you guys see uh, Fetterman when they told Fetterman about – Yeah. And he was like, ooh. uh, I think Vetterman's a little bit of a – he's a goofball. But I agree with his assessment of – that assessment is about right of impeachment. I think they should impeach Joe Biden. I've been listening to these Democrats. David Ignatius has a column today. Like, right now, everybody in sort of establishment dem world is having a – in my mind 5 6 months too late panic attack about joe biden's age uh as well as and josh barrow has a column this morning about how they got to replace kamala on the ticket so everyone's got advice right now people got a lot of column inches to fill not much going on in this republican primary and so we're all going to tell joe biden that he can't run and that he's got to switch out his vp now i think a lot of this is perfectly sound advice i think you know like i said 8 months Except ago for Josh's. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Josh makes
1: some good points sometimes, but the notion that we're, that the Democrats that rely extremely heavily on the black vote are going to just randomly replace Kamala Harris with a white lady from Michigan and be like, she's just better. Sorry, I don't have a, I don't have any substantive reason to fire Kamala. The, you know, it's not a bill of goods. I just think the white lady's a little bit more palatable. Like that, you think that's gonna go over well with with a core constituency? I mean, sorry.
2: No, it's a, That's it's dumb advice. It is. It's, terrible it's just advice. it's impractical advice. Like yeah. I, I agree. I'm for Gretchen Whitmer. Seems I, great. I, I, she, Gretchen Whitmer should be the 2028 nominee or some group of them that are on these, that are from these Midwestern states. Great, great, great. I'm much on the record about how these are uh, great choices. But like, yeah, the idea what he's going to, he's, I don't know if you've seen some of the other things right now, but that he's losing altitude with uh, voters of color. Like now is like, it's just an impractical thing to do. He's not going to do it. So anyway, what's the one thing that could get all these guys to stop talking about how Joe Biden's too old and should step down and get them back on his side? Impeach this guy. Impeach him for nothing. And then David Ignatius can write columns about how Joe Biden's being impeached for nothing. And I think they all need this. They need this. They need this to fill their time and their columns. It will do Joe Biden a world of good. I think at least some of those 30 Republicans who don't want to do this know that this will have nothing but a helpful effect on Joe Biden. Do you think that?
0: Okay, so here I was going to posit to you guys. Okay, well, I'm going to throw this to you guys and ask you to to game it out for me. Because I think this has almost zero downsides for Republicans. And maybe there's a little bit of blowback for them. um, But also maybe not because it's largely a process story. There won't be hearings. There won't be an impeachment vote. It's just going to be like a bunch of, you know, investigations. It'll keep their people vibrating at a very high valence because Fox will cover this thing for 27 hours a day. And... The normies will just sort of be like, eh, whatever. Inflation's too high. And I don't know. I just it just seems costless to me to the Republicans. And maybe, maybe it actually helps muddy the waters on the Trump corruption stuff to help a bunch of country club Republicans stay on side come November 2024 because they can tell themselves, well, you know, I really don't like Trump. But you know, Biden's just as bad. Look at this. I mean, you know, the Biden crime Biden's crime thing
1: crime family. Yeah, I'm torn on this, actually. I do not share, and I'd love for Sarah to walk me off the ledge. Uh, I do not share the Fetterman-Longwell-bring-it-on uh, position exactly. I, I I, think that it could turn out that way. I think that the best thing that the Democrats have going for them is that the Republicans who have been prosecuting this case so far, like Comer, seem particularly stupid. And so that's helpful, right? Uh, and and I think that just generally is a talking point, speaking to the the normies that, that JVL likes to mock the people the people who you know grocery bills are going up while their salaries stayed the same. I, I know that that's a mockable thing for you JVL, but for those people you know for for Joe Biden to be able to say to them <laughs> to be able to say to them, hey, I'm trying over here like we actually care. We have proposals for helping wages and lowering costs and inflation reduction. Do you know what these guys care about? Relitigating the 2020 election and impeaching me over nothing. Right? Like these are insane people and they're like they're throwing feces at each other and Lauren Boebert got kicked out of Beetlejuice this weekend. And like, <laughs> right? I just I do think that that just is is a good frame for Democrats like we, you know, you might not like everything, but we're actually trying here to be, you know, on side and care about things you care about. These people are lunatics in a conspiracy hole. And I do think the impeachment kind of serves that narrative. You don't know what you don't know. And and the muddy the waters element of this thing is very concerning. Was Joe Biden on one phone call that wasn't really about the weather, that was a little more businessy than it should have been? And does one guy testify? And does the New York Times feel like they've got to now put that on the front page for a week? And then does Anthony Weiner's laptop have a message from Joe Biden to him that then, you know, James Comey has to investigate? you, You know what I mean? Like, this is what happened to Hillary, right? Like, the Benghazi thing was ridiculous. I, like there was a kernel of of truth, uh, you know, about I think the lack of preparedness of the administration to what was going to happen, but like the investigations then became absurd and mockable. But over the course of the investigation, they found the server, right? So uh, and then that becomes a series of stories, and the server, and then and you find Anthony Weiner's got messages, and then that becomes a series of right, like so. So that part just has me a little. I got a little bit of PTSD from 2016 over over this, and where I I think that probably it continues to reinforce the Republicans are crazy narrative, but I don't think it's without risk.
2: Okay, do you want me to tell you what my rationale is? Yeah, please. Okay. So maybe I was being too glib about David Ignatius and, like, the, oh. like everybody writing these articles, but that is sort of what I'm talking about. There is – Trump has benefited enormously. I don't know if you've looked at any of the recent polling on the field, but Trump has uh, gone up. Everybody else is, like, trading little points here and there. Like, Nikki gets one and Vivek gets two and DeSantis loses three. <laughs> uh, but, like, Trump's at 56. Like, I don't know. It's uh, – the gap is enormous. That began when they went into Mar-a-Lago. That was the rally around Trump effect. I think that Joe Biden is in dire need of some rally around Biden effect. And I think he will get it when the Republicans overreach. So I don't think that the going into Mar-a-Lago was an overreach, because now we know they were kept calling him, being like, we're going to come in if you don't give these documents back. And he told them to F off, and so they came in and got him. I think that Biden, his low approval ratings include the polarized political environment of the Republicans who are never going to give him marks for anything. They are low because Democrats, He's. it's essentially what I think is in those numbers is a disinterest in him running again, right? And so people don't want him to run again or they think he's too old. I think giving him something to fight back against, I think something that brings the sort of chattering classes onto his side in a way where they feel some umbrage at him being impeached over nothing. I think highlighting the crazy people. I think when Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are in front of cameras, I think that is bad for Republicans uh, and good for Democrats. And so I think what I could see is that there is the circus of the Republicans impeaching. Uh, and all their whack jobs front and center, making Kevin McCarthy's life miserable, not having evidence to present, while the conditions of the economy slowly improve. So I also, well, this is all JV and I talk about on the... My favorite part of the C-SPAN actually was when His opening question was to JVL about why Joe Biden is, like, going to be great. And JVL said the economy. And then he was like, and Tim, what do the Republicans have? Like, why are they going to win? And you were like, the economy. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Uh, And so I think that – listen, I was just doing a focus group last night with swing voters. They think the economy is terrible. This is so consistent. So do Democrats. Uh, And, like, I – do not care about what the macro conditions are. But at some point, I mean, I care in the sense that at some point, if the macro conditions get sufficiently good, people will start to feel the benefits. But they certainly aren't now. And hopefully they could in a year while the Republicans are doing the impeachment stuff. Like that's the best case scenario for Biden is that you get an improvement in the economy while Republicans are behaving like idiots.
0: All right, Sarah, that's a good pitch. You know what? I, I am not sure the people feeling the benefits is going to change their minds on this. I, you know, I, does anybody remember the the American Rescue Plan's gigantic child tax credit uh, program for families? I remember. Which put real, real money, actual money into people's pockets every single month. And the Republicans killed this. And the Republicans have paid what price for that? Zero. Nothing. I do not believe that people's opinions about where the economy is are tied to anything rational. Oh, I think it's just, I just all disagree vibe. with this
2: so much. It's just
0: all vibes.
2: no. People have rent to pay. People go to the grocery store.
0: Like yeah, and like you know, the prices of some things go down, yeah. the prices of no, other things is, go up. No, you know? it
1: is vibes, and it's annoying. Uh, I think I said this on Slack the other day that there's the exception that proves the shirt. You know, JVL is always right. You've got to be wrong about one thing to prove that you're always right. I think it is because you you kind of live like a hermetic life. You know, in in rural New Jersey. You know, where, York, you, just, you, where you just take your kids New to baseball. York you just take your kids to baseball and write a newsletter. And like, you know, for people who live a, a little less hermetic life, Like everything is more expensive and that's annoying, right? And so sure, like there are other things that are good. People feel very secure in their jobs and that's nice. People like that. So it isn't a catastrophic economy, but it's a very annoying one where it's like every day they're like, my coffee is fucking a dollar more than it used to be. And my fucking lunch is a dollar more than it used to be. And my grocery bill
0: is $50 more than it used to be. And their wages aren't going up. Their wages are going up. Now they, they are, the, the real wages, right? The the real wages, you know, index to inflation though. aren't keeping pace. Although that that gap is closing, uh, it depends on the scale. The lower you are on the wage scale, the better you have been, because a lot of the wage gains have been at the lower end of the scale. So, you know, like, it's it's the professional classes who are hurting more on this ma- this who metric vote? right now than people. True. On the yeah, that's true. What I don't understand is things are never perfect right? Even in the best economic times, like everybody has economic anxiety. Everybody, you know, some giant percentage of the country is one medical event or one job loss away yeah, from sure. being really stretched very thin. And this idea that like there's some, you know, if we could get these 15 economic indicators all pointing the right way, then nobody would complain about it. And that's just not true. Somebody would then find the 16th indicator, right? Well, sure, the prices of eggs are down and gas is down, but celery is up. And this is all we do, right? I this agree with
1: is, this. What you're missing is that this is a broad-based, like nearly everybody, except for like wage workers whose wages are up, but like who have the smallest uh, uh, savings, right? Uh, you know, with which to deal with with spending. Like, like their prices are up, but but in this case, it's like the broad middle. Everybody is experiencing increased costs, and only some people. Are seeing increase, you know, wages or salaries, right? And so like this is different, right? Sure. In the in 2019, when the economy was good, some people at the lower end of the scale were complaining about income inequality. Yeah. Rightly, by the way, rightly. And income inequality has decreased somewhat, you know, over the past four years. And so that's something that you hear less about now, right? So they're all you're right, there is always something, you know, not everybody's gonna be rich. We're we're not gonna live in a in a in a world of of bounty and plenty where everybody can do whatever vacation they want. But like there is something unique about this particular economy that the low level annoyingness. I don't think that's a real word, but you know what I'm saying, touches a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And again, I, I think like everything is relative and compared to where we were two years ago, it's better. It's just objectively better in every Nobody way. thinks
2: that though, JVL. Like this is part of like what is oh, what I don't is... know
0: what to tell people then. I mean Okay,
2: well, this is why Joe Biden might like the like I just think it's a real gap in even just like analysis to just be like, well, people are wrong about how they feel about this economy when the prices are being up. Like if you've you've sat, like if you go to any family functions, you sit around with a bunch of 60-year-old women, you know what they do? Yeah, right. You don't do this. They all sit around and talk about, like, do you know how much X was? Did you see how much X was at the store? Like, that's just what they talk about. Uh, or if you're with a bunch of 20 somethings. Isn't this what old people always do? If you just sit around with a bunch of 20 somethings, they talk about how they can't afford rent uh, in the cities where they live, that it's so high. I just. But this... That's
0: what all my friends did when we were 22. I mean, I think these things are permanent. I am not dismissing them as being unimportant. I think they're very important because people's perceptions are real. What I'm lamenting is that America is going to send a guy with 91 criminal indictments against him who is responsible for the excess deaths of hundreds of thousands of people because of his mismanagement of COVID. They're going to put him in the fucking White House again because they look at the economy, which is by all objective measures, OK. Maybe not the great. Maybe it's not 1984, but it's, it's, it's kind of better than 2020, actually. it's You know what I'm saying? Like and and they're going to make that choice and i don't know what that says about us and i'm not going to just like sit here and pretend that because Decadence. people are stupid that they're no i mean it you know like in our system everybody is always in a precarious position right and everybody everybody feels economic pressures and then, and it's that way when times are good and when times are bad it it increases and you get more in, you know, anxieties depending on what the problem is, the baseline measure is always going to be unemployment. That's the most important thing, whether or not people can have jobs. This and is where we do
1: agree. If you're if you're saying I'm gonna vote for Donald Trump and put that fucking madman in the White House and risk our entire country because you have to cook dinner one more time a week, then go out or go to DoorDash, like really fuck you. Like, I'm with you on this. I'm with you. Fuck you. Fuck these people. Like <laughs> fuck, these very upper, uncomfortable. fuck these upper middle class people that like are, are financially stable and are, by the way, living lives of absolute unimaginable extravagance compared to their parents and grandparents. People are like, things have gotten worse. It's like, no, fuck you. My parents, when they were kids, their parents cooked meatloaf fucking five days a week and they ate the same goddamn special chicken every Tuesday. And so like now these people who live in big cities and have cho- chose to do this and can travel and can Fly and can talk to people on their magic phones like right I, I I'm with you that they would then say I want to vote for Donald Trump that is decadence. Where I disagree is that is that like that doesn't mean that it's not something that people are feeling and that there aren't uh, there aren't people on the inverse side of that scale and the lower middle class side of the scale who, who, for whom things are really tight.
0: Sure but but again, those people when you're when you're because of our system, things are always tight right this is i mean this is part of the reason some of us are commies is that even when things are good in america things are really tight if you're at that that end of the the ladder and that's that's a problem but it's a persistent problem
2: yeah well like i was sitting with these swing voters yesterday listening to them and it's probably a young uh, young guy black dad who was talking a lot about his kid and when he talked about trump he just said he'd voted for trump the first time biden the second time cuz he thought trump was a come back and he's like, I kind of miss Trump just because the economy was so much better. And the idea that people don't pay attention to so many of the things that we do, but they are paying attention to their gas bill, their grocery bill, and what it costs to send their kids to do X, Y, or Z, uh, like – they just are. This is
1: where I fall on the JVL side of the scale. They weren't paying attention to the Capitol being stormed? I mean, I, I'm not no, asking no, no. for he them was. to and know he all was. the details. He was. The that, economy
2: was really bad in 2020. And to be fair, this guy, when Bush came to shove, he was going to vote for Biden over Trump. We actually had a clean sweep for Biden last night over okay, Trump with right. the swing voters. Um, but <sighs> that now. doesn't breathing. mean that – but they all were super down on the economy. They were all thought things were headed in the wrong direction and – I just, I really disagree though with this idea that like it's just always like that. Like, I think there's an element of people kind of always complaining or like things are never good enough. Like, that's just the American way. But the idea that there aren't, like, relative differences between how people felt about the economy in 2017 versus how they feel in 2023. And that
1: guy, people haven't experienced inflation. It's people that are our age, our age, haven't really – we haven't really had inflation. It's like this notion that I've got to – this is to your decadence point, JVL, but it's also real. Like this notion that, okay, i got to tighten my belt and, like, spend a little less than I was spending before because things are getting a little more expensive is not really something that people who – you know, came into adulthood after the Great Recession have ever had to feel, right? And so it is kind of the first time for that. And you can see why it's annoying
0: to them. Now,
1: annoying enough to vote for Donald Trump, fuck you.
0: So we're going to have to move on to this in a second. But I will say this. So Sarah, this is one of the things that drives me crazy when people say the economy was better under Donald Trump. When? Because it wasn't better under Donald Trump in 2020. And there's this weird thing, right? American politics is always about what have you done for me lately? And with Trump, they somehow ignore the last thing that they saw from him, and they jump back in time. They're like, yeah, well, you know, it's like saying that things were great under George H.W. Bush before the recession. So why would they vote for Bill Clinton?
2: Because it's the pandemic. Everybody knows that the pandemic was an exogenous event that was out of everyone's control.
1: Why does Trump get a pass for the pandemic but Biden doesn't? Because they're like, yeah, oh. Yeah, this is the
2: weird, again, this is Oh, the, in- also, the inflation Sarah, doesn't
1: is- have anything to do with the pandemic? It just ha- It was just Donald Trump's part that had to do with the pandemic?
2: But this is actually true. This is a good point, which is. The people feel like the pandemic is over and has been over for a while now and that the economy is worse. Like there was a period of time where the frustration was really about supply chains and like nobody was working when I went, you know, like there's a change in what the complaint is. And the complaint now very much is about cost.
0: All right. Before we move on, maybe one of us will write about this. There is like a political science point to the vibes thing here, though, which is that you've seen over the last 40 years. The right track, wrong track numbers have sort of stabilized in a place where people are always saying we're on the wrong track. And it didn't used to be that way. So anyway, this is like it's a thing that people should write a book about.
2: Yeah, but you're also talking about like the overall right track, wrong track. I'm actually talking about what I hear when I listen to voters. Sure. And the fact is like early on in in Biden's term, there was a lot of I feel like we're headed in the right direction. Like, you know, this is good. I'm optimistic. And now people are not optimistic and they don't feel like we're headed in the right direction. And these are not Donald Trump fans. That's the problem. And and I'll just go back and circle back quickly to why I think if they want to impeach Joe Biden and have a bunch of these people who are like, they're not so down on Joe Biden. They're just like down on where things are and like don't love him and kind of wish there was somebody younger. I think it pulls some percentage of those people back into a more, more enthusiasm for him while the Trumpers come after him.
0: From your lips to God's ears. God willing. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about was abortion. Abortion is never oh, fun yay. to talk about. So in Texas, we have two counties which have passed laws concerning abortion trafficking. These two counties are strategically located along interstate highway routes, and the ordinances that they have passed make it illegal for anyone to drive on roads through the counties for the purpose of obtaining an out-of-state abortion. And the legal mechanism here is like the SB-8 bill. It is a series of private lawsuit bounties. And so if you, you know, you spot someone who's driving through your county on the way to get an abortion, you can sue them as a private citizen. And this is part of a, a planned out strategy throughout the state of Texas to strategically hit counties around all of the interstates that leave the state, as well as airports, counties with airports in them, to try to shut down what they call abortion trafficking. This is a real thing that is happening. Again, two of the counties have already passed the laws. These laws are now on the books for it. I find this astonishing. And I am just curious as to what you guys think the political consequences of this will be, because I think there'll be zero. I think like with the impeachment, this is a just another asymmetry where, you know, Republicans won't pay any price for it. And like, there's nothing Dems could do. Uh, You know, in the aftermath of Dobbs, there was a lot of concern that Democrats would, you know, overplay their hand and would push for, you know, abortion laws that were wildly out of step with with where, you know, general public opinion is on this. And I guess there's been a little bit of that. But the other side is, I mean, this seems nuts to me.
2: Am I wrong, Sarah? You're not wrong about the nuts part. I think you're wrong about The fact that there's nothing Democrats can do about it. I mean, I just think that the way Republicans march in lockstep and create an issue and talk about it relentlessly is much better than the way Democrats do. The Democrats should talk about this relentlessly and they have to, but they don't rear up in the same way with the focus to make this central to their case against Republicans. And they should. These kinds of overreaches are the kinds of things. You even look at something like in Wisconsin where they were going to impeach the Janet Protoseowitz. Protoseowicz. Protoseowicz. See, we've all won. Hey, say, great all three job. of us got
0: that right. Gold stars.
2: You know, they're going to impeach her and leave her in limbo. Charlie talked a lot about this just so she doesn't have any say over the redistricting because drawing fair maps would be bad for Republicans in Wisconsin. Uh, like, these are insane things that Democrats should put their hair on fire about and a million surrogates should be out there talking about it. And they never do that in a way that I think is uh, particularly effective. I think Republicans are much better at that.
1: Yeah, I mean, JVL maybe should just be the assignment editor for the DNC because I hadn't actually seen the story until you sent it along this morning. Right, but nothing makes me want to like put on my freedom war paint and just do my Mel Gibson scream than trying to tell me that I can't drive across the fucking border from Texas to New Mexico. Okay, I'll drive across the border from Texas to New Mexico to do whatever I damn well please. And, And you know, like I do think that this is an area where you know Democrats can and should be cutting against the republican argument about this stuff on covid on guns on everything right i, I was like, like this goes against a central ethos that some republicans not all obviously i think the dominant side of the republican party right now is moving towards you know the ron de trumpy you know fashy you know we need punishment for our enemies and freedom for our friends but there are still people out there that just have the freedom instinct you know have a libertarian instinct and that are swinging and 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 like these people should be targeted with this and say like this is outrageous far more outrageous than anything that that democrats are doing though I want to get to New Mexico too in a second and you know I think that when you combine this story We're banning women from going across state lines and we're letting random Karens sue sorry, Karens. We're letting random Josh's sue them, you know, because they're mad is crazy. Uh, Just like the story that was out of Mississippi about the young girl that had been raped to them, like, was unable, that her mother was just like, I'm unable to afford, like, we're too, we're too landlocked from states where she could get an abortion despite being a minor, despite having been raped. I mean, I I mean, these are 90% issues, Uh, you know, even. Even many pro-life people uh, uh, like think that that person should have an op- that child should have an opportunity to get an abortion. So I do think continuing to just bang on those and and, and let those stories define the Republican Party is important. The New Mexico thing, and I think, is an inverse example of this. And again, Democrats never get credit for this, but they they should. And I think sometimes some Democrats, this is why the role we can play as Never Trumpers is to bring this up because some Democrats are afraid to bring it up because they, they want their base to get mad at them. But when Luan Grisham goes out there and passes like a, a, whatever you think about the merit, like I'm I'm like almost into Beto territory, and we should just confiscate everybody's guns. So like this is this is about process, not policy, for me. But, like, the idea that a governor can just on a whim, by decree, by fiat, say you can't carry your guns in this one county for one month because there are a couple of shootings, like, that's preposterous. Like, it's preposterous. Sure, maybe the city council did it, and then, and then it's approved, right? There's a process for these sorts of things. You can't be the pro-democracy party and have Democratic governors, you know, govern by whim, you know, to make progressives happy. But what happened to that? Like, several Democrats, including Chris Murphy— Probably the most vocal Democrat on gun control spoke out and said, no, I don't think this is legal. I don't think they should do this. Ted Liu, friend of the pod, David Hogg, you know, activist, like prominent, pro- not random Democrats, not moderate, not Joe Manchin, prominent middle of the road Democrats were like, nope, sorry, New Mexico governor, you shouldn't do this. And so again, it's that asymmetry you always talk about JBL. It's like, wh- why can't, like Democrats need to do better about taking credit for the fact that when there are oversteps on their side, they're self-policing, and then expose the other side. When there is no self-policing, you're not going to hear. And will a single Republican be like, "Hey, what's happening in Texas is wrong"? No, of course not.
2: Yeah, no Republican said anything when Trump lived by executive order, when he right, was uh, when he was commandeering money for the wall, when he he's the purported nominee, and he also talked for, about suspending the Constitution. Uh, but that is not an excuse for a Democratic governor to just say that the Constitution doesn't matter. And what I loved about Ted Lieu's post is he didn't just post about it and disagree with her. He was like slugging it out in the comments because a bunch of people who don't know enough about the law were trying to explain to him, and I do believe he is. He's certainly a lawyer, if not a constitutional scholar. He knows a lot about it. And he was just kept like posting like, I'm sorry that it is this way, but the Supreme Court has ruled on this. And like to for her to do this is unconstitutional. And so I did appreciate them jumping on it. I actually think – I think more people could have done it because it's a kind of a slam dunk. This is an anti-constitutional measure. She can't do it. I think you're right. I saw like David Hogg and there are a lot of big people.
1: Her own attorney general I think also. <laughs> yeah, but
2: like did you read Joe Perdicone's thing? Because it was sort of like the senator in her state was kind of like, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, like there was a little bit of – people don't love the idea of criticizing her because – Because they agree with the sentiment behind it. But that's not the point. Like, when you say, this is a process thing for me, yeah. Like, we have, like, that's not, it's not like a small thing. It's not a small thing to be process-oriented. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing.
0: Again, asymmetry, right? Defund the police in 2020 was a very salient issue. It, by all accounts, moved a ton of votes. It really hurt Democrats down ballot in House races and governor races, and defund the police was a movement with, like, Corey Bush and 15 progressives on Twitter behind no, it.
2: No, that diminishes it too much. Okay.
0: Prosecutors in many major cities. Okay. Maybe not many, but in a, in a few major cities, right? Local prosecutors in a few major cities.
1: No, I would say many. I would say many. St. Louis, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Chicago. I mean, do we have to keep going? All right.
0: Well, uh, the police were not actually defunded. And the presidential candidate is all in favor of more police and giving more money to police. And just despite the fact of this, Democrats got hurt by it.
2: Because their activist base was incredibly loud about it. And because lots of people at the state level were trying to move to do things about it.
0: Well, the activist base on, on the abortion stuff is very, very loud in Texas. And they've passed actual laws that are enforced. And I just don't know that they're going to Pay any electoral consequence for this. Pay any electoral price. This is what again. It's that weird asymmetry. And I is do it think because, so. Because is it because the bases are not equally polarized, right? Because the the Republican base is is more concentrated in that way, and so they can just do stuff without losing any marginal Republicans because the marginal Republicans who are gone are basically already gone.
2: I think that I think there's some truth to this, but I also think there's an asymmetry in the issues because I think for a lot of people. The abortion thing they it is theoretical to them and they they do not like hearing about a you know 14 year old rape victim who can't cross state lines that makes them uncomfortable they hate it you should put that in their faces that that's what's happening but that is different than how they feel at the idea of they're not being cops to defend them if their house is being robbed. That is much more visceral to them, and it creates much more sense of that this thing that is being pushed by these other people could really impact them.
1: I don't necessarily disagree with that. I also think, though, that like abortion did hurt Republicans in the midterms, and I think it it could hurt them more. I I, I concur with the notion of somehow— and this is something that you guys, despite you guys disagreeing on, like, the outcome of this, you, you both agree on just the asymmetry of, like, somehow the Republicans, like, every hour on Fox, they're talking about defund the police. And every politician is talking about defund the police. And every, you know, even casuals, you know, at the, at the, you know, my football buddies that I judge for, you know, who don't read any politics, like, they're aware of it. And that's happening a little bit on the extreme row stuff. But I, I do think that that can be wrapped around – you know, and helped to brand Republicans in a better way, just like this notion that like this is crazy. Like we're 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 gonna trap people in their states now. We're trapping people in their states. Like that affects everybody.
0: But here's the problem: we don't want Democrats to do this sort of lockstep media propaganda thing because that's a sign of being an unhealthy political movement. Right. Right? You don't want MSNBC to be like Fox. And you don't want their – like what you want is like with the gun thing in New Mexico, you want room for disagreement and self-correction. You don't want everybody reading out of a playbook, right? I mean this is – I mean when I say want, I mean when you're looking for markers of a healthy political party and a healthy political movement. It's just that those things in the modern media culture turn out to be enormous electoral liabilities.
2: I mean I don't know that I agree with that. I mean I think you don't want them to – be cultivating like things that are sort of untrue for like an uh, a, like a consistent outrage fest right like the way that they want people sort of scared and angry and they talk about you know the litter boxes in the classrooms and you know p- which
1: a friend mentioned to me at the Ole Miss Tulane game this weekend
2: <laughs> 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 you literally
1: wrote the piece debunking that I yeah. said to a friend came up to me and they were like hey I would I've been meaning to ask you about this what do you think about the furries in the schools with the litter boxes and I was right. like oh my god
2: Right. So, like, you don't want to be uh, like a propagator of diss and misinformation. You do want to educate your voters about what, and certainly swing voters, about what Republicans are doing. And I think they do a piss poor job of that, specifically. And this idea of the surrogate thing, like, We end up being the surrogates, us. There's not just like an army. Trump had an army of people. And I think from just a pure communications and education standpoint, when you ask about differences in the economy, part of it is psychological and vibes. But like Trump made his own vibes walking around, best economy for black people, best economy for women. These guys are like bionomics and it's cooling and, you know, whatever. And like (laughs) I I just – it is not – this is not where we need to be. There needs to be concerted communications efforts that create their own echo chambers, that build a narrative that dominates Republicans and, and, and forms high-level narratives about who they are. Except that we don't want
0: echo chambers, and we don't—we want to be governed by data, not narratives. And this is—we <laughs> don't want a president who's well, in our face. We don't want to lie, we, but we you don't. want to
2: tell people the truth right. about what's going on.
0: But uh, but also you don't want to be like in the business of stoking culture wars all the time to get people inflamed. Yeah, This is a real war, though. I guess that's right. This is a real one. Yeah, guys, we are moving the show. We're moving the show. If you Only on are YouTube. A YouTube watcher. So if you are a YouTube watcher, go and subscribe to the main Bulwark feed because come October, this show is going to be not in its own feed, but in the main Bulwark feed with a bunch of other good stuff. You should go get on that now.
1: If you're a podcast listener, or you listen on Substack, or you listen on your URL on your browser, I've, I've learned since you said this that a lot of people listen to the show in very strange ways. If you have yes. a carrier pigeon that brings you an audio file that they play a outside your home, tape. nothing changes. Tape. Only if You listen only, to it in a boombox. <laughs> box.
0: Yeah. You have Lloyd Dobler standing outside <laughs> your bedroom like window with a boom Box and a cassette tape of this show that will not change. Lloyd that will still be there. Doesn't next help Wednesday our ratings afternoon.
1: really, but we appreciate every listener. But yeah, it's only for YouTube people. Everyone else can just
0: ignore that. All right, good show, long show. We got to get out of here. Bye. Peace.